0: Hey guys, welcome to the Ferris Bueller episode of the podcast. Um, I hope you're excited. I just recently watched this movie in my English class. And we're talking about community right now, in class. And we watched this movie because everybody voted on it. And I just think it's so crazy. Some kids said that they had never seen this movie before. I feel like this is like a cultural reset. Like, you have to see this movie. If you've never seen it, what are you doing with your life? Like... You're a teenager about to graduate high school, and you've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Which brings me to my next point. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's a little bit of a theme between my podcasts. It appears as though, um, you know, everyone in the movies, and all the movies that I'm doing, people are about to graduate high school. Isn't that kind of weird? Isn't that kind of funny? (laughs) Anyway, uh, so let's dive into Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's time to have a day off. So, we start in the Bueller homehold. And Ferris Bueller does not want to go to school today. It is too nice of a day to have to go to school. But he has nine sick days, so he doesn't really know what to do. But he decides that he's going to come up with this whole elaborate scheme to have a day off school. So his mom comes in, and he's talking. He's giving, like, a little monologue and, like, a how-to on how to skip school. He's, like, licking his palms or whatever. And, um... Oh, wow, this song, huh? Yeah, this is what I get for playing the soundtrack in the back of uh, the podcast. Anyway, so, get ready for two minutes of this. Um, yeah, alright, Ferris is giving us a guide on how to stay home from school. And his mom comes in, and he's being weird as hell, because I guess that's how he acts in front of his parents. And he's like, <laughs> I, I, I can't even describe He's just, he's a silly guy. So... They buy it, and then he starts setting up his little Rube Goldberg machine, and he's bored at home, and he's taking a shower, and he's singing Donka Shane, which is, you know, foreshadowing. And he goes back in his room, he's playing the piano with like fart noises and like coughing and burping, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in a movie. And then he gets on his primitive little home computer, and he's like, most kids get a car for their 16th birthday. I got a computer. So, he goes onto the school's um, data system and he deletes his 9-6-days and he makes it 2. So, good for him. And then he gets bored and he picks up the phone and he calls Cameron and he's on the phone with Cameron and he's like on this primitive art program drawing like big boobs, which is so funny. But he's on like an even more primitive version than MS Paint just like Picassoing around and then He's like, Cameron, come pick me up, Cameron. Come on, Cameron. And Cameron's like, no, Ferris, I'm sick. I'm not doing anything. I'm not going. And he's like, come on, Cameron. Come and get me, Cameron. And Cameron hangs up the phone, and Ferris is like, you know he's thinking about it. He's probably sitting in his driveway right now, going back and forth up between whether he's going to get me or not. And that's exactly what he's doing. It cuts to him, like, punching the steering wheel of his car, having a meltdown, running back and forth in between the house. And then Ferris says something like, If if you shoved a lump of coal up Cameron's ass or Cameron is so uptight that if you shoved a lump of coal up his ass in two weeks he'd have a diamond. And uh Cameron finally shows up. He scoops Bueller and Ferris is like, Listen, man, we gotta get Sloan out of school and he's like, What what? So they get on the phone and they call Rooney and they're like, Hey Rooney But it's not them. Uh Cameron does his wonderful one voice impression, and he uh, gets on the phone, and he's like, "Uh, Oh, Sloane's grandma died, so she's got to come out of school. So the nurse comes and scoops her from her lecture, and uh, Rooney calls, because he knows that Sloane and Ferris Bueller are dating, so Rooney's like, Uh, is this Mr. Peterson? And Cameron's like, Yeah, it is. And then he's like, Okay, Mr. Peterson, and then he has like a string of swears lined up for him he's calling him a liar he's saying that it's bullshit and that her grandma didn't die and then he goes to he's like I know this is Ferris Bueller so Ferris gets another line going and he picks it up and (laughs) it's like actually her dad and oh wait no it was Ferris no okay so Ferris picks up the phone and he's like Uh, hi Mr. Rooney, I just wanted to call to let you know that I'm not coming in today because I'm very sick. So then he's like, oh my god, I actually just said all of that to Sloane's dad. So then he gets back on the phone he's like, I'm I'm very sorry sir. And then Cameron's dumbass is like, oh yeah, well you better be sorry, I'm coming to pick her up in person. And I want to talk to you outside the front door. And, uh, Rooney was like, okay, sir. And Ferris was like, ah, Cameron, you idiot, why would you do that? So then Cameron starts having a meltdown, and he's like, yeah, well, I didn't want to come have your stupid day off anyway, so screw you. And then he's like, no, Cameron, I didn't mean it. This whole movie is pretty much just Ferris manipulating and abusing Cameron. I hate to say it. I love Ferris, but, like, come on, man. You gotta be a better friend. Your bro is, like, clearly suffering. So, they go pick up Sloane. And then, uh, Sloane and her dad kiss, because her dad is Ferris Bueller. And, um, <laughs> they, they go off. And this is the song that plays in this part of the movie. They're in Cameron's dad's car, which I forgot to mention. Um Sloane is not in the picture yet, but Ferris is like, let's take your dad's car to go pick up Sloane. And Cameron is like, no way, I don't know what you're smoking. We are not taking my dad's car. That is his prized possession. He loves that thing more than me. And Ferris Bueller's like, ah, we're gonna take it. So he takes it anyway, and then they go pick up Sloane in it, and then, you know whatever, everything I just said, and they are driving into the heart of Chicago, they are going to the city, and they bring the car to a parking garage, and the guys at the parking garage are very sketchy looking, and Ferris gives them 50 bucks, and he's like, take really good care of this car, okay? And they're like, okay, and then they run off with it, and they start driving it, which is like, terrible, but anyway, now Ferris Bueller's Day Off begins, they're in downtown Chicago, they're having the time of their life. And they decide to go to the Sears Tower and look straight down, because in 1986, that was the tallest building in the U.S. So, um, they're there, they're looking down, and Cameron's like, I want to go home. And Ferris is like, ow, no, you're not going home. And then after the Sears Tower, they decide to go to uh, the fancy restaurant, I think it's called like Cui or something, I don't know, it's French, but they go in there, and the guy pretty much calls bullshit, and he's like, you guys don't have a reservation, and he's like, yeah, well, and then he looks at the reservation list, and he's like, yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm the sausage king of Chicago, and the guy goes, you're the sausage king of Chicago, and he's like, yeah, so then the other guy's like, I'm gonna call the police, and he's like, go ahead, do it, so he gets on the line, and then, there's some, I forget, I don't know, he doesn't actually call the cops, but Cameron gets on the phone and, or Sloane gets on the phone. I think Cameron gets on the phone and pretends to be the police station. And then Sloane gets on the phone and she's like, Hi, I'm just calling to see if the Sausage King of Chicago's there. And he's like uh, I I don't know, describe him. So then she describes Ferris, and he's like, oh my god, I just roasted the Sausage King of Chicago. So he lets them all in, and then Ferris is like, wow, your service is terrible, you know that? You suck. And he's like, oh yeah, sorry. And they're eating at this fancy restaurant, and then, uh, Ferris goes into the bathroom, and he has another one of his fourth wall monologues, and he's talking about how Cameron is, uh, Cameron's house is like hell and it's like a museum and it's cold and how Cameron feels better when he's sick and how he always has to be sick and it's kind of sad and then he goes back out and they go to a baseball game uh but before that there's like taxis lined up outside the restaurant and Ferris's dad is out there so they run into the nearest cab and they go and they go to this baseball game and save Ferris is like on the jumbotron it's like written on the on the stadium and he doesn't even notice he's there and him and Cameron are like, ah, we'd be in gym class right now. And then it cuts to gym class, and Jeannie's there. And she's like, oh, I hate him. So she's driving home to go catch him. And then Rooney's like, oh, I hate him. So he's driving off to some, like, local, like, pizza place where all the kids go. And he thinks it's Ferris Bueller, so he goes up to this chick, and he says something real nasty. And then she turns around, and he's like, oh my god, it is a young woman. And then she spits in his face. And he decides to go straight to the Bueller residence, so he does that. And he rings the doorbell and it's like, Sorry, I'm sick right now. I can't come to the door in my weakened state. And um, then the messages keep repeating so he knows that it's like both. So he tries going around through the back and Ferris Bueller's dog catches wind of it and he's like, No. So he attacks Rooney and Rooney finally gets in and he drops his wallet in the kitchen some sometime during this. And then Genie gets home And she hears commotion, so she thinks that Ferris Bueller's home. So she's like, okay, I'm gonna find Ferris. And then Rooney hears her open the door, and he's like, oh, it's Ferris. So they're both, like, waiting around the corner to catch each other. And then he's like, ah, gotcha. And then she's like, ah, gotcha. And then she's like, oh, my God, there's a grown-ass man in my house. So she knocks him out with her foot to his face. And he passes out. And then she runs upstairs, and she calls the cops. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm too young and pretty and hot to die. Please, please come get me. And... They take her into the station for making a phony phone call. But in between then, uh, they are at that baseball game, and then they go to an art museum. And they're just all pondering art. It's one of the most iconic scenes, like, ever, in a movie. And I just think that all John Hughes, like, teenager movies... I I just had to do one for my podcast, because they're just so 80s and so iconic. You know, like, John Hughes was, like, very in tune with how teenagers were feeling. So anyway, moving on. They're at the art museum, they're making out, having fun. Not all of them, just Sloane and Ferris. No, they're not all making out. So anyway, they go from the art museum to the parade, and they're watching, and Ferris slips off, and then it's just Cameron and Sloane, and they're like, where the hell did he go? And then he gets up on the float, and he's like literally on the main float, and he's like, this song is dedicated to a young man who doesn't think he's seen anything good today which is obviously Cameron, and then he starts lip-syncing Dankeschön in front of EVERYBODY and Cameron is like, wow, he's really, he's doing it, what a, what an idiot and, um, that happens Cameron's watching, he's like, you know, maybe today isn't so bad after all and Ferris starts singing the Beatles up there Twist and Shout, he starts lip-syncing that and it gets the whole city going, everyone's dancing along it's like a Beatles reference, I guess, to how like popular and how loved the Beatles are. I mean, no offense when I say this, but the Beatles are kinda bad. They kinda suck. But anyway, moving on. Um, don't crucify me, please. I just don't like the Beatles. And, um, everyone is having like this cult hive mind, Beatles mindset. Even his dad is dancing along to it. And they leave the parade. And, uh, they go back to the garage. And they pick up the car, and Cameron's like, wow, you know, today wasn't so bad, this was kind of okay, you know, um, this was, this was alright, uh, the guys were really nice, the car's fine, and then Ferris looks down at the, uh, the odometer and he's like, oh, ooh, (laughs) oh yeah, and then Cameron sees it and he's like, what, Ferris? And then he looks and he, he starts screaming and he, like, literally screams, so loud that they do like a montage of like everywhere in Chicago over the scream so that it looks like it's like traveling that distance and in the meantime um so before Jeannie gets scooped up by the cops she gets a knock on the door and she's like oh thank god it's the cops and she goes down there and they sent Ferris a singing telegram of a naughty nurse and it's also really funny um but then the cops actually come and scoop her up so anyway moving on um they go to this random swimming pool well Cameron is in a catatonic state, and Cameron's just, like, sitting in a chair, like, zoning out, he's gone, and Sloane and Ferris are just, like, literally in some random backyard in a random pool of someone they probably don't know, and then Cameron just decides to flop into the pool, and everyone thinks this scene is so funny, but, like, I don't know, I'm not saying it's a genuine suicide attempt, because it's not, but, like, he's clearly going through it. So, Ferris gets all scared and he goes in and he dives in to save him. And Cameron's just sitting at the bottom of the pool having the time of his life because he does not care. And honestly, if I were Cameron, and my dad was as crazy as his dad was, I'd probably want to die at the bottom of that pool too. So, uh, he gets saved by Ferris. And then, (laughs) Ferris is like, come on, wake up, wake up! And then he goes, Ferris Bueller, you're my hero! (laughs) And then Ferris starts, like, punching him. Uh, but, that was that scene. And then they go back, I think after that, they- hold on, I got it written down. They... Oh, what? Yeah, I forgot they put the Star Wars soundtrack in the Ferris Bueller's Day Off soundtrack, so you just get to listen to uh, to this while I collect my notes. Um, okay, yeah, so Ferris has had enough of his day off after intruding on someone's backyard. Uh, so they go back to Cameron's house. And we get, like, a short scene of Jeannie at the station with this, like, drug guy that's in there for drugs. And she's like, yeah, well, uh, I don't care about my eye makeup, and I don't care that you do drugs. And then they end up making out, so good for them, I guess. I I don't know why they put the scene in there, it's kind of funny, but whatever. So, they cut back to Cameron's house, and they're trying to reverse the car. Like, they have it, like, propped up on a brick, and they're trying to put it in reverse to, like, make the mileage come off, but it's not working. And Ferris is having, like, this whole monologue about how, like, he really is gonna marry Sloane, and, like, he meant it when he said it, but Sloane is, like, a year or two younger, and he doesn't know what she's gonna do after high school, and she doesn't, he doesn't know what Cam's gonna do after high school, and he said that Cameron is going to marry the first girl that he lays, and she's gonna treat him like trash. So, it, it's kinda like, it's a funny movie, but there's, like, really serious, like, when he breaks the fourth wall and he starts talking to the camera, that's when, like, this movie really has, like, some kind of seriousness, I guess? I, I don't know. So, Cameron is like, you know what, I don't care about this stupid car. I'm done trying to put it in reverse, I don't care, I'm just gonna take what my dad gives to me. And then he starts going on a whole rant, and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm real sick and tired of this, I can't, I can't do this. So then he starts beating on his dad's car, and he breaks the headlight, and he's like, Who do you love? You love a car! You love a stupid car more than me! And then he starts breaking the car again, and then he kicks it, and he kicks it, and then he kicks it one last time, and then it comes off the brick, and it reverses through the glass garage and into the woods, and it's fried. And they said, I don't know how much they said, they said that there were only like 150 of them made or something? I don't know, but it's a really rare and expensive car that is now in the woods behind his house. Um... So that happens, and then Cameron goes, You know what? That's okay. I don't think it's okay, and if you want my honest opinion, I don't think Cameron learned anything on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he says that he's going to take a stand, and he's going to deal with the dad's consequences. But all I'm saying is what I've gathered from the evidence of Cameron's dad, I am sure that when Cameron's dad came home, he was either going to kill Cameron himself, beat him so bad that he'd wind up in a hospital, or some other third thing that I couldn't even begin to imagine. So my theory is that after Sloan and Ferris leave, Cameron just kills himself. Because there is no way that that wimpy anxiety... Like, there is no way that that kid is going to take a stand to his father after breaking like a 100, like one in 150 car. Like, there, <laughs> there's just no way. Because I always wonder what happened to him afterwards, and there's no way that he was able to live a normal life after that. He either ran away from home, killed himself, got killed, or got, like, the absolute bricks beat off by his dad. And, like, I know that's dark to say, but, like, everyone thinks that this is a comedy, and it's, like, not. And, like, everyone thinks that scene is so funny, they're like, haha, he broke his dad's car and it drove off into the woods. Like, he's literally gonna get murdered when he comes home. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so... Ferris and Sloane are in another random backyard, having a moment, and he runs off after giving her a little smooch, because he's like, Oh my god, it's 5.55! I gotta go! And she's like, haha, he's gonna marry me! And then he runs off, and he's going through like eight different backyards, and then he cuts across the street, and he almost gets hit by Jeannie, because Jeannie and her mom are on the way back from the police station, and Jeannie realizes who it is, so she's like, I'm gonna beat this- I'm gonna beat this little shit home! And I'm- I'm gonna- I'm gonna figure him out, and I'm gonna show my parents! So Ferris gets home at the same time she does, and he's trying to get in through the back way. And Rooney's there, cause he woke up from being knocked out. And Rooney's like looking for this Bueller, and it's the key into the back door of the house. And he's like, "Oh, come on, man." And Rooney's giving like this whole speech. And he's like, "I'm gonna see you next year. You're gonna be with me." And then Jeannie opens the door and she's like, "Ferris, what are you doing out here?" and she saves him and then she tells Rooney to get lost and she throws his wallet near the dog and then the dog is there again ready to attack him but anyway so he runs off and then Ferris runs up into his room and then his mom comes in and he's like oh hi mom and she's like hi Ferris are you okay you want some soup and he's like yeah mom and then he's like Hang. I, I don't know what he was He was trying to like bite her hand and he's like Hang. I, it's so funny though he's just, like trying to I don't, I don't know but it's, it's funny So then she leaves, and Jeannie's like, you're a shithead, and then she walks out. And then Ferris puts his hands behind his head, and he goes, Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And then the movie ends, but not before we see a scene of Rooney trying to waddle back to the school... And a school bus stops, and she goes, Oh, Principal Rooney! You need a ride? You need a ride, Principal Rooney? And everyone's like, huh? And they see him in like this disheveled state, and they're like, oh, that's so funny. So he gets on this packed bus, there's only one seat, and it's next to this really nerdy chick, and he sits down, and he looks at the seat, and it it says, like, in carving, Rooney eats it. And then right next to him... There is a kid with a folder that says Save Ferris scribbled on it. And then he looks back to the weird chick that he's sitting with, and she goes, Do you want a gummy bear? It's warm from being in my pocket. And he's like, No. So that's how the movie ends. The movie ends. And then after that, there's like a post credit scene where Ferris goes, You're still here? Why are you still here? The movie's over. Get out of here. Go. And then he like leaves. But it's just, like, such a revolutionary movie for its time. So, that was my really poor, 20-minute-long summary of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, I think my own personal criticism of my podcast is that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I literally say, um, uh, like, and I read off notes from my notebook. Because I watch these movies, I really do. And I take notes on them. And I sit there like a dingus with a notebook in my hand watching a movie... But I'm just so senile that I literally cannot remember, so I'd say my one fix for this would be to stop being senile. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we talked about the summary, now we're gonna talk about my thoughts. Um, the first time I watched this movie, it was like something snapped inside of me. I watched this movie because I was really interested in the 80s at the time, and I had only seen The Breakfast Club, so I was like, you know what, I gotta watch it, everybody's seen it. And it was just, like, revolutionary. And, like, Cameron's character, like, seeing Cameron on screen, it was just, like, like, I have that problem. I have, like, crippling anxiety. And I'm like, oh, I can't do anything. Like, if I had a Ferris Bueller in my life, that would be nuts. Because, like, sometimes I am the Ferris Bueller. But, like, at other times, it's just, like... Like, I see where he's coming from, and that's why I feel so bad for him. Like, this whole movie is literally just this poor kid being dragged around against his will. And then when everything finally, like, when the ship finally hits the fan, Ferris is like, oh, I'm sorry, Cameron. But, no, seeing this movie for the first time was literally nuts. Like, I was just so baffled. Because, like, I feel like kids don't really get, like, a perception of, like, time until they're older. Like, when you're a kid, you don't know what, like, the 90s are, unless you, like, grew up in them. Like, if you're, like, really little, like, when I was a kid... If you would have asked me, like, what the 1950s were, I would have been like, huh? There there were times before I was born. But, I just, I don't know. I was just, like, in this moment, and I was like, yeah, the 80s are, like, lame and stupid, and, like, nothing existed, and, like, it's not real. And then I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I was like, oh my god, they're, like, angsty. And, like, they're swear words and stuff. Like, the 80s really did exist. And it's just, like, a cultural, like, reset. And, like, it was so ahead of its time and I feel like it still relates with teenagers today because teenagers are teenagers whether it's like 1930 or like now like even in the cowboy times teenagers were teenagers you know so I think it's pretty crazy that it still holds up today and I think this movie like physically reset everything in my life I feel like some movies just have that power and this is like one of them because like I watched The Breakfast Club and I thought it was nuts and then I watched this and I was like oh holy holy shit but, um, yeah, that's that's my thoughts. So, we'll go into the message of the movie now. Uh, I think the message of this movie follows, not Ferris, but Cameron. Because, like, yeah, it's about Ferris Bueller and his day off, and living a little before high school ends, but I think the real message of this movie is that you just need to, like, let go. Like, you really can't, like live your whole life scared and, like, worrying about everything else and everybody else. And, like, when, when you graduate, like, it's just, it's your own world. Like, when you die, everything you've seen, everything you've heard, everyone you've talked to, like, all of that dies with you. And, like, you only do it once. You don't, (laughs) there's nothing after, you know? You don't, you don't get to do it all again as yourself anyway. So, it's just, like, I don't know. I think you get one life... And you just gotta live it like Ferris Bueller. Because consequences are temporary. But the experiences are until you die. So technically forever, but not really, because nobody lives forever. Um... But as I've said in all of my other podcasts, don't copy movies. I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there's nothing really, like, terrible in it. But if your dad has a Ferrari, don't break it and let it roll into your backyard, I guess. Don't let it drive through your garage. I don't know, I just, I think that this is a really good movie for high schoolers to watch, and I feel like the message is just, like, especially for us, like, we're graduating, as I said, like, in a month, like, I I, I hate to say this on the podcast, but my project, this podcast, is doing, like, a week, so, I don't know, man, I just, I, I think, I think it's time to let go, you know, I, I'm so, so tired of, like, being a Cameron, you know, it's, like, time to be a Ferris Bueller. I feel like all of us, it's just time to, like, let go. Live life the way we want to, I guess. But, yeah, that's that's the message. So, uh, what kind of cultural impact do I think this movie had when it came out? Huge one. I- I'm sure everybody was quoting this movie. Taking days off school, having sick days, running around with their buddies, stealing cars. You know, I think... John Hughes movies and teenagers in the 80s, cause like, like I was saying about how like, the 80s were lame, nobody did anything they didn't exist, I'm sure kids in the 80s, before seeing this movie probably, cause it was like it wasn't heavily censored back then, this was like the age of like, it was like the renaissance of like, modernism I guess, I, I don't know how else to put it but like, I'm, I'm sure like, being a teenager in the 80s that's like, never lived at all living like Cameron, and then seeing this movie must have been nuts for them, you know? So, I think that the impact was, like, huge, because not only was it a John Hughes movie, but it also, like, was so accurate to teenagers at the time. I don't... I don't know. But, yeah, this was the uh, the Ferris Bueller episode of the podcast. I don't know if you could tell just by how I'm talking, but I, uh... I don't know how pleased I am with this one. I don't know how pleased I am with any of them, to be honest, but... You know what project's a project, and if you couldn't tell, I'm burnt, but nobody's probably listening to these so this is uh, this is me signing off and I will see you in the next one, which I am filming immediately after this one because they're all due Friday, so see ya.